Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Each Saturday morning at 7.30, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the low country talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life now your hosts of beyond the business eric cox and leslie haywood and great saturday morning low country welcome to another edition of beyond the business heard exclusively here on 94.3 wsc every saturday morning from 7 30 to 8 o'clock thank you for getting up and tuning in the dial and listen to great stories of entrepreneurship and leadership from here in the low country i'm one of your hosts here this morning eric cox with with Byron Stahl. Good morning, uh, back Byron. Back again. Looking forward to hearing our uh, guests today. Happy Saturday to you, Byron. What's going on today? Here we are. Uh, gosh, man, getting close to uh, Christmas time before we know it. Okay, let's slow the roll there. Right. It's not almost even Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving right? Almost it's, Thanksgiving. It's, Here we are in November, r- cruising along in the year, um, winding out another great year and beyond the business. And Byron, you were uh, thankful enough to be with us last week and the week before for Hillary Johnson who is the founder of Hatch Tribe here in the Low Country? Tell us a little bit about uh, maybe a takeaway or a nugget you had from her. Yeah, shows. absolutely. Well, it was just a quick reminder, Hillary. Uh, she started a community for women entrepreneurs. Um, she had started a few businesses and realized that there was a real need for women entrepreneurs to network and lean on one another as they're growing their business. And the biggest takeaway I picked up from Hillary was when she said doubt is a constant companion and I think that is a strong theme in entrepreneurship in general you go from having you know a you know oftentimes six-figure salary to no salary and you have to go find it you have it's all on you and it's um it can be challenging just when you're out there and you're building your own business just realize that doubt is perfectly normal yeah, you took mine, didn't you? You knew I was going to say that one. Uh, yeah, what a sorry. great quote. I'm the quote yeah. guy around here, yeah. Byron. You can't be taking my quotes. Um, but she did an uh, amazing job at kind of laying that out. And I love those stories of working for corporate America and making that transition, jumping off the cliff. And that was certainly one that she lived. And uh, she talked about her Woodstock story where she actually was at the grounds where Woodstock was held, looking out over that field and had her aha moment about uh what she was going to do next and so you want to hear more about that story check it out go to our podcast go to coastalwm.com simply click on the radio icon and you can hear the last couple of weeks of hillary's story as well as stories from the last four years of phenomenal entrepreneurs here in the low country i mean it just keeps on coming it's great and it's no different today because we're turning the page to another entrepreneur, and here we have Miss Amy Justice in the studio. So first of all, Amy, thank you for being here, and good morning to you. Thank you so much for having me, and good morning to you, too. We're excited to hear your story. By the way, Amy is the president of CMIT Solutions of Charleston. And so before we get into the story about your upbringing and where you're from and all that fun stuff, give our listeners a real quick snippet of what your company's all about. Sure. CMIT stands for Completely Managed IT, and we do exactly that. We outsource IT to businesses that don't have their own IT department, and we do pretty much anything that they need to support their technology, you know, be it their networks or servers or 
switches, computers, we're the help desk. Basically, if it beeps or blinks, it's us. Well, certainly being that we are all so heavily reliant upon technology today, what a great space to be in. I know it's a competitive space, and so we're going to talk about that, uh, how you all become successful within that niche of IT. But before we do, of course, we have a lot more to talk about. Yeah, we want to get into the nitty and gritty of you growing up. Let's go way, way back to the beginning. Tell us about where you grew up and uh, your family life. Sure. I am originally from Arlington, Virginia. In fact, my parents are both still living there. And my sister, younger sister, lives in the Arlington area, too. And my my brother, Michael, lives up there. Uh, I was lucky enough to talk my sister, Patty, into moving down here. And she now lives nine-tenths of a mile from me, which has been amazing. It's been so fun to have her here. Nice. But I did grow up in Virginia. In fact, I uh, went to school in Charlottesville, Virginia, um, both undergraduate and graduate school at UVA. So lived in Virginia pretty much my whole uh, schooling life until I moved to Charlotte. So so give us the dynamics as a youngster. Uh, you talked about your siblings. What was the household like? Uh, what did mom and dad do? Yeah, I came from a very traditional family. My father is a retired architect, and my mom did actually have her own business for a while with a friend. She had a toy store, but for the most part, she was home there supporting us. Both parents, I'm lucky enough to say, are the most supportive individuals you would you know, be able to meet. Very blessed to have them as parents. I think they were always very inspirational for hard work and You know, I would say, especially given that I was growing up, you know, my grade school years in the 70s, never heard any kind of limitations on you should do this because you're a female or you should do this. Um, Just I think the only thing they cared about was get an education and work hard and try hard at everything you do. Well, they sound like great role models, and I'm sure you picked up a few entrepreneurial tips along the way. Tell us about some of your hobbies. Tell us about what you did for fun growing up. Well, I pretty much like anything that's active. You know, I like to walk and be outside a lot. I would say I'm a bit of a jack-of-all-trade on sports, but master of none. (laughs) You know, so like, you know, I play golf, I play tennis, but... um, you know, mostly just recreational. I'd say it's more about being active and the social aspect of it. So growing up, you know, I played basketball, played, I was on, it was kind of a joke because I was on the soccer team, but um, my mother used to tease me that, you know, grass would grow while I was like standing there, not moving fast enough, I think, but, (laughs) you know, on the swim team. So anything that just had you around a lot of people was fun. And as a youngster, when you were thinking about the future was that a serious thought? Did you have a, a particular niche in mind, or was it just sort of wide open to see where the road takes you? Well, it was kind of wide open to see where the road took me. As a matter of fact, when I was much younger, I always used to say I wanted to go to University of Texas because I wanted to marry a rancher. <laughs> no idea where <laughs> that, that came from. <laughs> it's all right. My little guy says when he grows up, he wants to be um, Luke Skywalker. So, I mean, yeah, you, know, you have all kinds of great wonderful thoughts when you're young right yes and then for a while there i thought being a nurse would be fun but that would be a horrible fit for me you know i'm just not uh that's not probably right up my alley i always loved math though and ended up being a math major and i loved computers 
when I went to college, so computer science was a pretty big focus too. But I really just I think I liked um, more of the math and sciences in general. So kind of piggybacking on the education, you told us you were very active, did a lot of recreational activities, very active in the athletic side of things. But in school, tell us about what kind of student were you? Were you studious through elementary, middle, and high school? Were, what, what, just kind of walk us through that. Well, I was focused, and I think we all were pushed to work hard and get as good grades as we, as we could. And, you know, we always were apprehensive about because we had to get – that was back in the day. You had to bring your homework home and get it signed uh, after you had or a test or something. So if it was anything less than a, an A, you know, we had to explain – Maybe could we have done a little better? Did we try hard? And I think the answer was if we didn't if we didn't make an A, but we tried our hardest and could do better the next time, that was fine. But we were definitely pushed to achieve. And because of that, all four of us, um, I have the three siblings, we kind of went in different directions, but are all in successful careers, which is fun. I have a brother that's a CPA. My sister's an attorney the one that lives here. I have a younger sister that was in English writing and communications, and she's in marketing. So all exciting careers, but totally different paths, with, which I think back to my parents is, you know, no, just encouraging us to do what interested us and just work hard at it. Well, and obviously you were successful in the studious department because you have obviously a great undergrad degree from UVA, wonderful school, right? Um, and went to the uh, Wharton School, uh, as well as uh, Keller Graduate School of Management at DeVry. So talk about the role of sort of education for you, and where did you expect that to take you post-graduation? Well, it's interesting. When I went to UVA, I, I was in the College of Arts and Sciences rather than engineering, but I took a lot of classes over in the engineering. I wasn't totally sure what I wanted to do. I liked math a lot, and... But I didn't really want to teach, and I, you know, wasn't completely sure. The actuarial science is a good field, but it seemed a little drier than what I was looking for. So I'm not sure I actually had a complete vision as to what I could do with it. But as I was looking to graduate, I was lucky enough to get offered a fellowship in the Ph.D. program in the engineering school. So I did that. I ended up just getting out with the master's and deciding I would like to take a break after doing two degrees at the same school. That was somewhat enough. And then ended up getting out and getting a job. And at that point, I really liked liked being in the working world. So I didn't end up going back, although I got an accounting degree later. Went back and got the master's in, in accounting. It seems like you really had a passion for education. Well, I do. And I'd say one thing that's a strength of mine is I can be pretty resilient so I've been put in jobs that aren't necessarily a logical fit for my background. For example, when I moved here, I moved here as a corporate controller for Force Protection Industries that was up in Lats, and it's since been sold. But I was corporate controller there and did not have an accounting degree, much less a CPA. So I ended up get, going back to school then. And, of course, when I finally finished that, they ended up asking me to take the CIO job, which was pretty funny. But as I had just finished that. So what led you to uh, make a move to come to Charleston from the Virginia area? 
Well, I moved from Virginia to Charlotte right out of school and took a job with Bell South in the Charlotte area. And I actually worked for Bell South for about 11 years and then went to work for an independent telephone company that's also in the Charlotte area, Concord Telephone. Uh, it, it was sold to Windstream. Uh, so I ended up leaving there, and that was in 2008. And when I left there, about the only jobs that were, you know, s- hiring quite a lot of people were defense was a big one because of the Iraq and Afghanistan efforts. So the company that I took the job with here was actually very involved in the war effort. It was a motivating place to work because the company motto was saving heroes lives. So we had these big banners with the American flag all over the place. And, you know, everybody was just very focused on helping our troops be more successful. So that was fun, certainly something different. But I came down to Charleston, not expecting it to be such a wonderful place to live, thinking, you know, I'll just commute, I'll get a townhouse here and, you know, keep my place in Charlotte. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I like it here. <laughs> and started doing, yes. Times, right? And then I times. ultimately sold my house in Charlotte and just built a house here. And I love it here. So you'll have to pry me out of here one day because I'm not leaving. We, you, must yeah. you must like it a little bit because 10 years later, you're... You're still here. I'm still here. And by the way, that voice that you're listening to is that of Miss Amy Justice, who's the president of CMIT Solutions of Charleston. And Amy, I want to go back and hit on something you brought up in terms of your corporate experience. You were with Bell South and another uh, carrier in the Charlotte area. How much time did that encompass? 20 years. 20 years, total. So a long time. So talk about your experience in big corporate America. Uh, when you look back and think about you know, what was it you really admired and enjoyed and took away from that experience? But also, what were the couple of nuggets that you're glad you're no longer having to deal with? Well, it's interesting, the difference between a small business and a big business, and both certainly have their strengths. And I, at the time, would have told you that I loved big business and I wasn't you know, interested and would have never expected to start my own business. I worked for three separate public companies and actually did a brief job for Blackboard here as well. So a fourth pump public company. And the, you know, that there's a lot of things that you can learn from those big, big companies. You certainly have a lot of structure, a lot of career path, a lot of employee development. And that is very helpful. It helped me certainly learn leadership skills and other things that have been helpful as I started this business, but there are certainly differences. So if you look back over that time in corporate, is there a a situation, a time or something you can kind of attest to that was a real learning moment for you? Oh gosh, there would be many. I'm trying to think of what, what would be the, You know, there's some from an employee development standpoint where, you know, I think early on when I worked for Bell South, I was in the what was called the network and carrier services division that was a lot of men. You know, so there weren't very many women in there. But I remember having a mentor, guy by the name of Steve Market was our, he was actually general manager for both North and South Carolina. So he had this area as well. But I remember him telling me, you can 
certainly be a great leader as a woman and be a woman. You know, I, I thought that was a real teaching moment because he was very encouraging about, you know, you don't have to try to be one of the guys, for example. And he put me in touch with some other female mentors that were very helpful. And I maintained contact with as I went through my career at Bell South. And I've tried to pass that along to a lot of other females that I've worked with and mentored to over the years of how how to work in a more traditionally male environment, but being a female and still, you know, still maintaining your femininity. So, for example, we went on a we went on a uh, it was a fall weekend retreat leadership for our whole team. And I was asked to join I was a little bit younger at the time and I was manager, but I did all the budgets for the group. So I was the finance manager. So they would bring me along to all those things to help make sure we're planning effectively and and such. But I remember bringing I brought a gigantic tin of cookies with me that I had made. And people were like, oh, my gosh, you don't want to be pegged as the female or whatever. I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> These men love cookies. <laughs> and it, it got me a lot of brownie points. And I had several people mention to me at that point how great it is that you can just, you know, be yourself, enjoy, and you're obviously, you know, successful and well thought of. So that that was nice. And what a turning point that had to be, too, right? To it realize was. you can open up and feel more comfortable and, like you said, be yourself going forward. It was. And Steve was a great boss, so I, you know, certainly Good appreciated shout out that. Steve, yeah. we appreciate that. Yeah, no doubt about that. So something you mentioned earlier in today's show was that the roles that you often took in these companies weren't exactly the roles that you were prepared for from an education. Well, not prepared for, I apologize, but that where your background may have not have led you to think you would be working in these jobs. Tell us about your different roles from these different companies and how they were similar and or different. Sure. Well, when I first started with Bell South, I was what was called an outside plan engineer. So I had come out of graduate school with a degree in systems engineering, went to a more traditional engineering job. I did that for about 15 months or so, part of which included Hurricane Hugo. So it was a great learning experience. And the role of an outside plan engineer, you're actually, you know, you're helping uh, design where the fiber needs to go in subdivisions and all to support what kind of telephone service they needed at the time and so it was interesting just a you know good way to learn hands-on however that was not exactly something I would say was right up my alley you know I was passable at it but I wasn't I wouldn't say gifted and I ended up an opportunity came up to do the budget for that department and I got moved over to that and I loved it so that numbers very analytical looking at, you know, lots of different um, comparisons, trying to help everyone improve, become more profitable. So I did all the departmental budgets, and I really loved that. So it was a different twist of the same department, and I think that helped a lot. So I ended up moving up in various financial leadership roles um, through that same department, went through their leadership training, and so then ended up... um, moving to Atlanta for one year doing a, a job as director of finance for for the telephone company. And that, that was interesting because, you know, then you're getting exposure to a lot of different geographies. So that was a new learning curve for me as well. And 
So I left there and went to the independent telephone company as a chief accounting officer, but still didn't have the accounting degree, but just think learning to be resilient and using the strengths that you do have and thinking of the things that you bring to the table rather than maybe the gaps that you may perceive that you have is a good way to be. So I learned from that and ended up you know, moving into various jobs at that company. The company was then sold and I was selected as one of as one of the 12 leaders I was asked to stay and help lead the transition. So that was an, a really exciting opportunity because we had to make sure that as we sold the company that the asset that we were selling was handed off intact. So I got to be very involved in that project. And so that was a fun learning opportunity. And then when that was done, that company was sold. That's when I took a couple months off, uh, trained for a bike trip I was going on, and then started looking for another job, which so, was here. So keeping in, in the spirit of entrepreneurship, right? Mm-hmm. You're in these corporate roles. You're working with some great companies. You're obviously uh, leader positions throughout, doing great things. Where does the seed of entrepreneurship develop? Because you said something earlier in our show was you never had really thought at that point about you know, ever run your own business. Where did that develop? Well, it's interesting. As it turns out, I think it's not as different as you might think running your own business. I mean, you, you are jack of all trades and you're, you know, you're the accounts payable person. You're the payroll person. You're the, especially when you first start off and you have just myself and one other employee. I'm lucky enough to have a guy, Russell Davis, who worked for me at Force Protection, does a fantastic job. He's our director of service delivery, a super nice guy, and also very technical. So it's it's a good blend. But as I was looking to get into my next, you know, my next phase of my career, running a business was a great option to stay here. And to take the skills that I had learned in all these different jobs and combine them into one. So I think that's what was appealing because I could take the finance jobs, um, take the CIO job that I had here. And I was very interested, excuse me, very interested in uh, being involved in the business community. So the idea of a business to business relationship was great. I liked the idea of having recurring relationships with other small businesses so we're a managed service provider so we have customers you know that we're supporting there we're talking to them day in and day out so that was very appealing so it actually became a logical fit i did look at going to other companies but i was very excited about doing something different and in being more more in control of my own destiny and then also you know just I think making a bigger difference. So it doesn't sound like there was this major aha moment you just had. It was kind of like a rising tide over time. I think that's right. So so speak to the, and we love this moment, where somebody leaves the corporate world to go do their thing, right? And uh, sort of take us through emotionally when that ultimate decision was coming about, how you made it through that thought process. Because it's not easy. Well, I looked at a lot of different options. So CMIT was one of many things that I was considering going with as as a business opportunity. CMIT was appealing, though, because it's a franchise. And 
I think that the fact that you have somewhat of a corporate feel with, you know, we have 220 locations across North America now. I have the Charleston market. So it became somewhat of a, it's a business relationship with all these other companies, but you're still locally owned and operated. So you get the best of both. So that was very appealing to me versus starting, you know, a small independent company, you know, that has its strengths too, but we get a lot of relationships already established for us, a lot of best practices and vendor relationships, which help our customers a lot. So how did you discover CMIT? Well, that's an interesting story because I was meeting with a financial advisor and he happened to know a person that he also worked with that was looking at buying a CMIT franchise in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And he knew both of us and mentioned that it might be really a good fit for me, too, with my IT background. And I hadn't actually thought of it that much before. So, you know, it's kind of an interesting. I went home. I thought, you know, that is a really good idea. And so I went and looked at it and I thought, this could be the best of both. I can have my own business, but... You know, I cannot, it's in the IT space that I love and had just come out of being a CIO. And interesting, Russell Davis that I mentioned that works for CMIT, he and I had talked about starting an IT business, you know, just kind of conversationally along with another guy that worked for me, John Moran, who's now a VP of IT down in Florida, but he's a great guy too. And the three of us were talking about maybe starting an IT business. So I had the seed planted and, you know, you just, the more you start looking at it, you think, yeah, I do have the skills to do this. I think I could really make a go of this. And that's where it starts, right? A and that's where it started. And all evolves from there. By the way, we unfortunately are out of time. So you'll have to come back next week and give us the rest oh, of the awesome. story. You want to hear how CMIT has certainly been growing and things you're doing with it. Uh, Amy Justice, again, president of CMIT Solutions of Charleston. Thank you for your story this morning, and thank you to our listeners for tuning the dial to 94.3 WSC. And until next Saturday morning, Low Country, have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Tune in next Saturday morning at 7.30 for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 94.3 WSC.